In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day, another Herschel Walker revelation. His mom and I, we separated. But one thing about it is we came back together to raise our son. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. Patricia, before we begin, never have I felt the love from our podcast listeners quite like I have this week with a flood of messages about my damn saliva glands. <laughs> even my mom, and I, I, I hate to say it because I should have told mom, but even my mom learned about the inflammation of my gland from this podcast. I'm okay. I even went for a follow-up checkup today. Everything's cool in the in the swelling, as you can see. Yes, the swelling gone has down. gone down. You, the, a rule in life, tell your mom if you're in the ER. There, there's no forgiveness for that, Greg. Yeah, but you know, it, I love you, mom, but there's a lot of worrying <laughs> that goes along with that thing, especially when I'm okay. But Patricia, are you okay? Because you had some sort of run in with a pogo stick? Yes, I was happening. I know. We're, the, everybody on the podcast is just going down. Yes, I did. Yes, I fell off of my daughter's pogo stick. Um, I, I, Sounds I mean, like I, have, a I have no explanation. It was, um, it's not a very good pogo stick. That's my, I blame the pogo stick. The problem is, is that I had already broken my wrist several years ago when I fell off of my horse. So I really did think I'd broken it again. Oh. So I had to go get some x-rays. It's just a very bad sprain. Um, but I've never sprained anything. So I didn't actually know how bad that could hurt. And it does not feel good. But I'm relieved. There's like, I don't need any surgery, which is, that was a relief. And I, you know. And you're wearing like a little splint right now. I'm wearing my little splint. You, I really need it. Otherwise, life is painful these days. Um Physically, not, you know, not emotionally or anything. <laughs> or producer Jay Black, this is an opportunity to sell a um, some ads for the Politically Georgia Podcast injury update. Uh, the, AJC, the AJC Politically Georgia Podcast uh, injury report brought to you by nobody. I would rather <laughs> have a sprained wrist than an impacted saliva gland. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would too. That was a weird one. Um, oh, I so. take that any day of the week. <laughs> Amen, sister. A reminder, if you're just listening to us for the first time, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and also keep up to date with all of our weird injuries. Coming up later, we're going to talk about who's giving a major endorsement in the 10th District Congressional race. But first, as the race for Georgia's U.S. Senate seat heats up, we're learning more and more about Herschel Walker's past. Patricia first came to report that Herschel Walker had a 10-year-old son he hadn't previously publicly acknowledged and apparently had little contact with. Then came the revelation, again, from the Daily Beast, 
that he has had two more children, a 13-year-old son and an adult daughter, that he hadn't publicly acknowledged. You know, look, the issue here isn't that he's had kids out of wedlock. It's the hypocrisy because he's talked so much about the need for black fathers to stay involved in the lives of their children. And I tell people this, and I say, I want all African-Americans out there to know, even though you may leave the mom, but don't leave the child. Yeah. Continue to be a dad, continue to be a strong figure in that child's life. Yes, sir. Because that happens. Yes, sir. That happens. And I said, I'm going to continue to raise him and be right there with him. That was Herschel Walker from just a few weeks ago with an interview on Killer Mike's program, Love and Respect with Killer Mike at WABE. Patricia, that's just one of many times over the years where he's talked about the need, especially for black fathers, to stay involved in their families' lives. And in that Daily Beast report, they had some details about the fact that Herschel Walker does not see his 10-year-old son. Um, We don't know the details of that. We don't know the background. We don't know why. But to hear that interview with Killer Mike and to go back to many, many instances when he has talked about how, how much he thinks Black fathers are responsible for difficulties within the Black community because they are not present in their children's lives. It's really been a theme in his, um, in a lot of his public speaking to then hear that with the knowledge that there are other kids that we didn't know about. It really does require you to go back and think, wait a minute, why, did, why didn't we know this? And I also have to wonder, going into the Senate race, these are the types of things that come out during a Senate race. And he had to know that that was going to happen. I certainly hope he prepared his other children's families for that eventuality. But it's very unusual also to hear it from the Daily Beast. That second report about the third and fourth children came out late at night. And then the information was kind of continuing to dribble out uh, Thursday morning. And so it's definitely not the way you want information like this that is really personal and delicate in nature and can certainly be explained or put into context by the candidate. Everybody understands life gets very unusual and occasionally inexplicable. But when you put yourself out for a public office, this is the kind of information that should come out from the candidate, not from the Daily Beast in dribbles and drabs without context behind it. Yeah, Patricia, this was one of the weirdest conversations I've had in my career in covering politics because before I even got out of bed, I was on the phone with Herschel Walker, one of his top aides, and was like, hey, uh, level with me. Are there any more kids? To, you know, I hate to say it like that, but are there any more kids out there? And uh, I was told authoritatively, no, but this is where we are at and with this campaign right now. And look, in this week alone, there's been about a half dozen reports about blunders from Herschel Walker on the campaign trail. The AJC reported that he's lied in the past about being a law enforcement officer. The New York Times had another report about one of his business exaggerations. The AJC has reported extensively on those issues as well. It, it won't be a, it's not a shock anymore to see a story about some misstatement, falsehood, conspiracy theory, lie that Herschel Walker has promoted. But this it was different because this involves hypocrisy, A, but also his own family. You know, his something something that is near and dear to him that, you know, s- sometimes considered off limits for reporters to write about. But in this case, Herschel Walker basically opened the door by speaking about it unbidden often, you know, and that in interviews I've seen, he brings it up himself sometimes about the need for fathers to play these roles in their in their children's lives. Yeah. And it's also the reason why some people don't run for office. They don't want things like this to come out if it's not something that they're comfortable sharing up front. And he talks a lot about his 22-year-old son, Christian, um, talks about remaining in his life, how important it is to stay uh, visible um, and present in a child's life. And again, every 
situation is different, but it really is the type of thing you want to have in a campaign put into context up front by a candidate. Otherwise, it starts to feel like a secret. It starts to feel like a scandal when it may or may not have been. Uh, it should come out from the candidate, but it continues also pieces of information that Republicans did not know when he got into this campaign. And that, I think, is the larger issue for Republicans. They have nominated Herschel Walker for Senate. He was, I mean, he got a huge share of the vote, obviously. So Republican voters feel like they know him, feel like they trust him. um, But there continue to be things that are not who they thought they knew. And especially for somebody who is putting together a campaign to defeat in their in their hopes, Raphael Warnock, they also don't know how he's going to debate against Raphael Warnock because he hasn't debated before. They don't know a lot about his past. He's been in Dallas for the last 30 years. They don't know a lot about the details of his business because it's been very hard to trace. And information that comes out is not as Walker presented it up front. So it just creates this sort of cloud of Walker voters feeling like they knew Walker ahead of time, but details come out that don't add up. So it's, uh, you know, it's not disqualifying necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, Donald Trump won with a whole lot more going on in his life. And I do think that Herschel Walker, when he's speaking to groups, comes off as very sincere he is very religious. Uh, he connects with voters really successfully. So he has a lot of attributes. But these are the types of things that can sink campaigns if there are more and more and more of them. Yeah. Um, Herschel Walker released a statement saying that these were not secret children, but he's not using them as a campaign prop. And he's very proud of, of them. Look, our, our listeners come to us for the news and the analysis. So that's the question you hit on, Patricia. Is this a game changer? And I'll, I'll say my part on this first, that no one I've talked to, and I've talked to a number of people close to both the candidates, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker, none of them think this is going to move the needle at all. That, of course, includes Democrats who basically say this is kind of a net neutral. And that's interesting to say because, you know, I, I was just asked on MSNBC um, if this is a campaign killer. And so there is this perception that this is, an, you know, from the outside of Georgia and from outside of Georgia political circles, that this is some death now. But Look, I mean, the dynamics are already well underway. Herschel Walker has faced a mountain of issues, a blizzard of issues, lies about his academic record, violence against women, exaggerations about his business, falsehoods about his law enforcement experience, bizarre statements on the campaign trail. This, in a sense, is is like another piece of the puzzle. It's another, it's another not, it's not great, right? It's it's another damaging piece to that puzzle. But there's already that narrative about him that he's done all this, that his critics can use. If the same were said about someone like, let's say, Governor Kemp, it would be a damaging blow. But with Herschel Walker, he's already facing all these negatives. This just, you know, in a sense, that actually could help him. This is just adds to the pile. And a lot of this was known before he got 68% in the mm-hmm. Republican primary. Vo- those voters dismissed that information. They either dismissed it as, I mean, let's not talk to plenty of them, fake news. <laughs> um, yeah. Or they say, you know, people make mistakes, or everybody lies, or other politicians are worse. You know, there's just a whole bevy of responses that you get. I think even more important than any of those dynamics is just the reality on the ground here in Georgia, you know, on the day that news broke about his second son, the Fed raised interest rates three quarters of a point. And as we were getting information about the third and fourth child, 
there was a live banner on the Wall Street Journal chronicling the freefall of the stock market. And so will voters at the polls say, well, I don't know. I didn't know about those other kids you didn't tell me about. Or will they say, oh, my God, five bucks for a gallon of gas? You know, that feels a lot more salient in most voters' real worlds. The fact that you are buying fewer groceries than you used to with the same amount of money, the fact that you got a raise, but your your bill's feel more expensive. The fact that you couldn't move in your own neighborhood if you wanted to because prices have gotten so out of control. And I've seen a lot of that happening um, around different neighborhoods in uh, not just Atlanta, Augusta, Savannah. Um, Housing affordability is a huge problem. And so people's real worlds are really challenging right now. And Democrats are going to need an answer on one word, and that word is inflation. And so I think that feels like it's going to be the driver in do Democrats keep control of the Senate or not with Joe Biden and the White House. And a lot of the other of this information is it's not irrelevant information about uh, the character or trustworthiness or information you did or didn't have about a candidate. But it really feels like we're in a historically unusual economic situation. And that will be an overriding factor in this election. And Patricia, you hit the nail on the head. That that's exactly why Democrats aren't celebrating. You know, they're not behind the scenes saying, "Oh, we, you know, this is this is devastating." Certainly, some of their, you know, we're hearing on Twitter, and some of their supporters are saying this. But really, behind the scenes, folks know what this election will, will likely come down to. And yes, this is not good news. And yes, there's going to continue to be damaging revelations about Herschel Walker. His campaign gets it, and so do the Democrats. What? Raphael Warnock is trying to do is kind of put this all together and his allies are trying to put this all together and show that as a part and parcel, as a giant package, this is why Herschel Walker is unfit for office. And as we've talked about on the show before, Herschel Walker is now trying to be the issues candidate. You know, hey, don't worry about all that other stuff. That's all noise. What I'm focused on is the economy and is pocketbook issues, is fuel prices. And Republicans feel like if they can at least get most of the conversation about Joe Biden and the economy, that they're in the money, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> so that they speak. will win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll win in November that a lot is banking on that because it, it relies on Herschel Walker staying remotely on message and more of this stuff not completely knocking him off kilter. And look, there will be more. There just yeah. will be. I mean, I told you already about this week. Who knows what what next week or even tomorrow will bring, but there will be more. And it just depends now on whether or not, look, I mean, I, for this story, um, one of the questions in, the, in one of the stories that we wrote this week was, will this matter? And I, I called up an activist up in Rabin County, Georgia, who was behind a resolution, a rare resolution censuring Herschel Walker because he had refused to participate in forums up there and town halls up there. And he was really mad. And I said, Said, I asked him, are you still, you know, after after this comes out and after all that you know about Herschel Walker, how do you feel? And he goes, Look, he said, I don't like Herschel Walker, but he's still better than six more years of Raphael Warnock. And I said, Well, how do you, you know, I know that you're a, a vowed critic of his. How do you stomach holding your nose and voting for Herschel Walker? He goes, To him, it's not a vote for Herschel Walker, it's a vote for Republican Senate. And we heard so much of that same narrative, that same approach. In 2016, when we were talking to Republicans who did not like Donald Trump at all, did not like his character, did not like his his approach to politics, his bombast, his social media presence, you name it. But they still voted for him because it was a vote for the economy. It was a vote for a Republican in the White House. It was a vote for the GOP judiciary. 
And so that's going to be a major factor at play uh, in the run-up to November. Yeah. Joe Biden had a 57% approval rating when he came into office in Georgia. That's down to 41%. I mean, that has that has gone from a balloon to an anchor for all other candidates who are running. He doesn't have to be on the ballot. For a Senate position in particular, that is a referendum on the Biden administration. That is a referendum on democratic policies. And it might even just be a Hail Mary, like, listen, we got to change something. Why not change this? You know, why not put Republic at least put Republicans uh, to pump the brakes on the Biden administration? And it could have nothing to do with Raphael Warnock as a person or as a senator. It could just be, look, it is against the Biden administration's policies. One one interesting footnote I want to add is that I talked to a Republican uh, strategist earlier today who has had a number of statewide candidates on the ballot. And he said, you know, the one number that I would be worried about if I were the Walker, cam- Walker campaign is that 88,000 voters who voted for Brian Kemp and did not vote for Herschel Walker. Brian Kemp got about 4% more in that GOP primary than Herschel Walker did. And they don't quite know why. So Herschel Walker did great, but he didn't do as well as some of the other Republicans on the ballot. And what was the drag there? And they know that Democrats don't have to win off 100% of Walker's voters. They don't need to convince 100% of those Walker voters that he's unfit for office. They just need to shave off a point statewide to keep them under where Warnock's going to be. It's going to be such a close race, people expect, that just shaving off a point of Walker's support would be enough. And will this accumulation of stories and scandals and missteps, uh, will that offset sort of like the baked in celebrity appeal and 40 decade uh, relationship that Georgia Republicans mm-hmm. feel like they have with him? And that's that's sort of like the that narrow sliver that uh, some Republicans are worried about. And just a reminder to our listeners, and I say this all the time, Democrats are not counting Herschel Walker out at all. You know, I, I know we in the show have always talked about him as a formidable candidate. Despite all these issues, Democrats see him the same exact way as Patricia's mentioning. He has to overperform what could be 10 points, a, a double digit deficit when it comes to Joe Biden's approval rating. So, you know, if you think about it, many candidates can maybe get five, but 10 if he's still in low 40s, high 30s, it's going to be really hard to overcome. And they get it. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the political insiders and also two of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter. 
which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you, dear listeners, can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. And for a limited time, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. I mean, politics, investigations, breaking news, sports, food, dining, food, the best chicken fingers on the, on the planet, and all of our newsletters, including the Jolt, for less than a buck. It's our best offer of the year for the best journalism in Georgia. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. And Patricia will even throw in a free tote bag. Really? Of her own design. Is that true? Yeah, you're going to, you have to design it. Oh, this is exciting. I love. Well, no, it has bag. to be your actual tote bag. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be one of your tote bags. I have so many tote bags. <laughs> Wait, what That was a joke fingers? for the FCC. <laughs> Patricia will not be giving away one of her, one of her uh, tote bags, but uh, the sale still stands. The sale still stands. I'm glad we have our like ethicist in here because I would not have known Seriously. that. Seriously, there's the FEC listening in. Yeah, some sort of weird law. Um, Patricia, in our last episode, we predicted that this comment from Vernon Jones would grab Governor Kemp's attention. I'm not going to lie to the court around I'm not going to do that. We have a former Democrat calling the first lifelong Republican governor in Georgia history a Rhino. Well, that didn't play over well with Governor Kemp's crowd, and the governor made a pretty exceedingly rare step, a decision this week by endorsing Mike Collins, Vernon Jones' opponent, in the 10th district runoff. The governor and his allies are pretty confident that Mike Collins would win. Otherwise, he he would not willingly take a, a big loss on this one when his political capital is about as high as it's ever been in Georgia. This would be another rebuke. If Vernon Jones loses, it would be another rebuke of Donald Trump because Donald Trump has endorsed Vernon Jones. But it was really a strange meandering way he went about it because Vernon Jones first was a candidate for governor, a long shot candidate who was basically ignored by by Kemp. He was in the single digits, but he still would take away some votes from David Perdue. So when David Perdue decided to get in the race, Donald Trump enticed Vernon Jones to get out of that race, to give David Perdue a clearer shot if he ran for the 10th district. So then Vernon Jones jumps over, jumps into a nine or 10 person candidate race out in 10th district where he does not live and ends up in second place behind Mike Collins. Um, so, you know, had a, a decent showing. Now we're in runoff territory and now Patricia, the knives are really out. Oh my gosh, it's getting so ugly over there in the 10th. I, um, For readers of The Morning Jolt, we've been featuring some of the latest mailers ending up in the mailboxes of the unfortunate 10th District residents because they're getting a ton of them. And uh, one that we wrote about earlier today was a chart sent out by the Collins campaign that sort of is like a compare contrast between the two candidates. And under one of them was about uh, candidates' families. And for Mike Collins, they listed three kids, three grandkids, kids, traditional values. And for Vernon Jones, I listed never married, no kids, alternative lifestyle, which I have never seen on a mailer that's come out directly from a campaign. And um, again, the Collins campaign is like, what? (laughs) What? It's true. So, I mean, there is Man, this is a this is one of those campaigns where you know these these people are not going to be friends when it's over. Nobody is going to make up after this one happens. Vernon Jones, it, this is real antipathy 
toward Vernon Jones from Mike Collins and his campaign and from the Kemp campaign. And uh, we don't know how it's going to end, but we know it's not going to end pretty. Yeah, they feel he's very deserving of it because he was a lifelong Democrat until about a year ago. I mean, he voted. He was a Democratic state lawmaker uh, until about a year ago who voted on lots of Democratic issues. And now he's calling Republicans rhinos. Yes. So, and, and with, a, with a whole host of legal troubles that are um, all yes. referenced in those mailers. So the mailers, while they're really tough, also link straight over to AJC reporting on all of those issues that they're talking about. That will be one of the many races we are watching on Runoff Tuesday. Another of the many races we're watching is going to be these down ticket statewide Democratic runoffs. Stacey Abrams has made a big move by endorsing Charlie Bailey, Bean Wen, and William Bodie. Bailey for Lieutenant Governor, Nguyen for Secretary of State, Bodie for Labor Commissioner. And Patricia, she's putting her capital on the line. This is not a, um, these are not locks for any of these candidates. I mean, Kemp could feel pretty confident that Mike Collins was going to win. All the internal polling shows him, you know, well over the 50% mark. But in these other races, there's going to be so low turnout that if Stacey Abrams, if any of these candidates um, she endorsed lose, Stacey Abrams faces the prospect of sharing the statewide ticket, perhaps with the lieutenant governor candidate or secretary of state candidate. Um, so high profile positions with someone who she actively opposed. Yeah, especially in that lieutenant governor's race. I think that is so fascinating because Kwanzaa Hall won the most votes in that. He won quite a bit more than Charlie Bailey. Charlie Bailey came in second, kept Kwanzaa Hall under 50%. But Kwanzaa Hall seems in unexpectedly strong position there to win the lieutenant governor nomination. So for Stacey Abrams to come out against Kwanzaa Hall, for Charlie Bailey, to me, is really striking. And it will just be so interesting to see what that does to that race. Because this is one of those few races where I do think endorsements matter, because it will be in the middle of June in the hottest week we've had in about five years. Um, who's going to come out to the polls if you haven't already done your absentee ballots? It's going to be very, very low turnout. It's going to be those activists. It's going to be those high information voters with uh, loyalty either to the candidate or the people getting behind those candidates. And so I do think those Abrams endorsements will matter. How much they matter will be really interesting. Can she bring Charlie Bailey up from behind to get ahead of Kwanzaa Hall in that runoff? We will soon see. Meanwhile, Georgia continues to be at the center of the January 6th committee hearings. And one of the more interesting revelations involved Congressman Barry Loudermilk, a Republican from up in uh, the Northwest Atlanta excerpts. He took some constituents on a tour the day before the insurrection on January 5th. Let's listen to some of the audio. We're coming in like white on rice for Pelosi, Nadler, <laughs> Schumer, even you, AOC. We're coming to take you out. Patricia, that was one of the guests, the constituents, I guess, who Barry Lattermark took around the Capitol. We've seen surveillance footage put out by the January 6th committee that showed them taking pictures of things like staircases and hallways and all sorts of things that tourists don't usually take a just, you know, that, that, that sort of introspective eye to. Same time, though, Patricia, Capitol Police said they had no reason to believe that he did anything wrong. Yeah, this has been an incredibly strange situation with Barry Loudermilk. He gave this group of constituents that tour of the Capitol complex on January 5th. After January 6th, there was an eruption of suspicion and finger pointing 
among Democratic members in particular toward Republican members of Congress who had given tours of the Capitol complex. And Democrats had said those were recon tours. Some of those people were part of January 6th and the Capitol attack. And that was, um, of all the people I talked to on the Hill, that was sort of the most chilling and disturbing. They felt like some Republican members may have been in on it or made it possible. And it turns out that Barry Lallemerick was one of the members that Democrats were talking about. The Capitol Police came out with a letter late Friday to say, we have investigated this. We have looked at the video. There is nothing suspicious that Congressman Loudermilk did. So Loudermilk comes out and says, I told you so. I didn't do anything wrong. This was totally innocuous. And he's been really incensed about this accusation for months and characterized it as just a nice family who came up and he was giving constituents a tour. In response, the January 6th committee, in just very unusual, put out sort of a rebuttal video to show pictures and videos from their vantage point of those tourists, of those constituents. And they were doing, as you said, Greg, just very strange things, taking pictures of the security machines, taking pictures of the hallway that leads up to the Capitol. And I worked in that building for more than 10 years, and nobody takes a picture of the staircases. That's very bizarre. And Barry Lattering said, well, no, there's a there's an eagle sconce that he really wanted to take a picture of. Just didn't look like a, ga- a guy who would care about an eagle sconce. I got to be honest with you. He was not taking a picture of the lighting <laughs> fixtures. No. Um, and so somewhere between those two explanations, you know, it's possible that Loudermilk didn't know about it, but was taking this tour as well. It feels like somewhere between the accusation and the total denial lies some version of reality. I think we need to know more about this, but Loudermilk has declined to speak to the committee about this. So, um, because the Capitol Police essentially said he didn't do anything wrong. So, we're going to have to see where this goes. It won't be the last we hear about it, though. No, it won't. And your team at AJC will continue to track all those developments. Now it's time for one of our favorite segments of the week the reader mailbag. And this week's comes from Sam McPhee, who writes, Love your podcast. I'm the guy who hooked y'all up with the Ellie Schwartz eggnog, and it was really good, Sam, uh, from my from my one of my best friend's company's roofing contractor down in Macon, Georgia. Uh, he asks, or he says, I'd love to hear more about Burt Jones as a fake elector. Now, of course, he's the Republican nominee for lieutenant governor. But Patricia, this is an issue we have bugged Burt Jones about a lot, and we've covered a lot because he was one of the fake electors, a fake Republican electors who went and cast phony ballots for Donald Trump in mid-December, the same day that Democrats cast the real ballots for Joe Biden, part of a plot, especially one that has been looked at by congressional investigators, the Justice Department, and Fonnie Willis's team over at the District Attorney's Office in Fulton County. They feel like, it's is it a part of a, a greater plot to overturn the election uh, and to cast doubt on the legitimacy of Joe Biden's election? What Burt Jones and others who are uh, these phony GOP electors said is that they were there just in case, just in case one of the uh, several court actions at the time that were pending, just in case they worked and that Joe Biden's victory in Georgia was reversed. But of course, even at the time, we knew that judges had laughed many of those challenges out of court. And there was no, not a single piece of evidence of widespread voting fraud that could be substantiated. 
And the Constitution actually lays out the exact day that those elected that those electors need to cast their votes. And so it is. Uh, so they were saying, well, no, you know, it had to be on this day. If it wasn't on this day, we weren't sure that if the results changed, we would be able to go back and cast these ballots. So that's the story. Burt Jones has been one of those uh, state senators. I, I, he's he's been unusual because from state senators, we were either hearing this is ridiculous, the election was not stolen, or from another group of senators, it was stolen, it's fraud, go back and recount the votes. Um, but he is, he was always seemed very careful to say, well, I just have some questions. I'm not sure what happened. I would like to know more. And so he was not a full out stop the stealer, but he certainly was involved in this group along with Brandon Beach, another state senator, along with uh, a couple of others who really did come to be known as this small group of senators sort of pushing this process forward. And so I think his role in this may, um, we may learn more as we get more information about the broader situation happening here in Georgia. And I think I still might have some of that eggnog in my fridge um, six months later. So I might go try some of it and maybe pick up a new illness. Um, (laughs) It's called salmonella. now (laughs) Now it's time for the who's up, who's down segment. Patricia, this might be a gimme, but let's start with, uh, Let's start with who who's down for you. I mean, is there anybody besides Herschel Walker who's down this week? There must be, but I think I'm going to take the easy answer and say Herschel Walker is down. And I always say down for now because you just don't know in Georgia politics. I mean, literally anything can happen. Voters make choices that are unanticipated. So, But right now, Herschel Walker is down for now. This has been a week where he was, it, reporting has been that he said he was in law enforcement many times, which he was not, and uh, talked really only ever about one child. Turns out there are four. That's just not the kind of week you want on your campaign. Georgia politics is the roller coaster. I'll go with Vernon Jones as who's down because Things aren't looking good for his campaign. Look, anything can happen. It's unpredictable with these runoffs, with low turnout. I was out at a Mike Collins campaign event. There's a lot of energy and enthusiasm around his candidacy. But there was also concerns that he had gone too far. Um, Even one of his supporters said, look, I'm inclined to vote for Mike Collins. But I'm worried he went a little too far in attacking Vernon Jones. If you're Mike Collins, a strategist, you you don't want to leave anything to chance. You're going to use everything at your disposal. And right now, that includes the endorsement of the most popular Republican in Georgia. That's Governor Kemp, who has backed Mike Collins against Vernon Jones. That is why, to me, Vernon Jones is who is down. Okay, Patricia, who's up? You know, I'm going to give my who's up to Dr. Rich McCormick running in the 6th District GOP runoff uh, there in the newly redrawn 6th District. He picked up a really important endorsement from Steve Scalise, who is the whip for the GOP up in Washington. Again, endorsements, not overly um, important to voters, but it is one of several groups that have lined up behind McCormick. And we were just hearing again and again and again about Jake Evans' support um, from his endorsements. And it really paints a, just a MAGA, basically just straight MAGA for uh, Jake Evans. Um, McCormick has been able to, I think with his endorsements, paint an alternative for voters, a little bit more mainstream and somebody who might uh, be more welcomed into uh, the GOP fold uh, were, who, were he to be elected. That runoff is on Tuesday, of course. My who's up is going to be soccer fans because uh, not that long ago, 
FIFA announced that Atlanta will be one of about 16 host cities for the World Cup. We brought you that news in the AJC a couple hours before the official word broke. But this is a huge get for the city, for its sports planners, for uh, government leaders, uh, City Hall, uh, Governor Kemp's office. All of them have been working together in tandem across party lines to try to bring this major event that would bring tens of millions of dollars of investment and all sorts of other attention to Georgia. So Georgia and Atlanta, specifically Mercedes-Benz Stadium, will host a 2026 World Cup game. We're not sure how many or we're not sure if it's going to be a semifinals yet. I know the, the state and the city is going after a, you know, a, a semifinal match, but either way, expect to have some World Cup action here in Atlanta in just four years. Get excited. Well, you can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday, Friday, or whenever news breaks. So we will see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.